Hello, Girl Boss. This is your host, Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girl Boss. We have a great guest today. She's the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Media at the New York Times, Lisa Ryan Howard. And before we get to that, I want to tell you about the Girl Boss Rally. The Girl Boss Rally is heading back to New York this fall, and this year it's going to be bigger and better than ever. I'm serious because it's our first two-day Girlboss Rally extravaganza. Registrations are selling fast, so you'll want to swing by girlbossrally.com to reserve your spot ASAP. And this time, we're offering new ticket tiers from $30 and up so you can come by to shop, attend the day that works for you, or stay for the whole weekend. Whatever you choose, I can't wait to see you there. Go to girlbossrally.com to learn more. If you want to join our future and your future, go to collective.girlboss.com because something really exciting is happening. Also, remember, if you like what you hear, go ahead, rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We'll get to our chat with Lisa in just a moment, but first I want to talk about Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, technology, design, and more. You can take classes in social media marketing, data science, web development, you name it, they've got it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or just explore a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. What I love about Skillshare is how diverse their course selection is. They have a great class that I love called Build a Winning Team, The Fundamentals. And you know I love that anyone can watercolor class. Whatever you're interested in or need to learn about, they have a class for you. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Girlboss Radio listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com Girlboss. Again, go to Skillshare.com Girlboss to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com Girlboss. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Lisa Ryan Howard is a senior vice president, general manager, and advertising expert with 20 years of strategic media experience in deep print, digital, and integrated sales routes. Lisa has an incredibly impressive resume, boasting some of the top positions at the biggest companies in America. The hardest job I ever had was that very first job. And there were so many disappointments in that and so many highs and and so many things that happened to me that opened my eyes to a much bigger world than you know, this small town in Mississippi where I used to catch catfish. Some of her past roles include senior vice president of Condé Nast, publisher at Billboard, business lead of Lifestyles at Yahoo, and the vice president of consumer strategy at WebMD. After WebMD, she started working at the New York Times, where she initially served as senior vice president of advertising, 
Since then, she's transitioned into the role of SVP and general manager of media at the New York Times. I work on the business side, so I have nothing to do with the really sexy part of the job, which is, you know, the hard investigative reporting that our journalists are doing that's holding truth to power. But I get to enable them. So I'm about revenue for the company. In this role, she's responsible for the Times sales team in New York, its national sales offices in the U.S. and around the globe, as well as the group's planning and operations teams. Whew. Outside of her main career, Lisa has also served as an advisory board member to multiple digital startups in the fashion, entertainment, and lifestyle space. And she's even served as a professor of digital advertising at NYU's Stern School of Business. She's one of advertising ages 40 under 40. Today, she's here to talk about how to know when it's time to transition to a new job, what exactly she does in her role at the New York Times, and what you need to know about advertising to properly run your business. Now let's get to it. Here's my chat with Lisa Ryan Howard. So I like to start every episode with the same question because we all have a start. And while I have really accomplished women here on Girl Boss Radio, some of our listeners are just starting out. Some of us are in the middle of our careers. We all want to know, where did someone like you start their career? And what was your first job? Oh, okay. So starting my career, I, th- I like to think that my career started when I was five years old because <laughs> I grew up in Mississippi, you know, typical kind of idyllic lifestyle, uh, lake in our backyard, hung from the tree branches and caught catfish and, Mm. you know, uh, crawdads in the spillway. And, you know, it was a very quiet kind of um, uh, life, uh, pretty unexciting. And um, I started swimming and I got pretty good at swimming. And so by the time I was 10 years old, I was one of the fastest swimmers in the country And so people started to notice me. And by the time I was 15, the Olympic coach, Mark Schubert, at the time before the 88 games, this was in about 86, called my parents and said, I want to bring her out of Mississippi and to train with me in Florida. And so my career was swimming. And I did that all the way through. So I did that all the way through college. But there were a series of disappointments, I think, and um, highs and lows, I think, like everybody has in life. We're all familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it makes us stronger, right? But when I was um, in 88, I didn't make the team. And um, so it was devastating. I thought my life was over. But I um, picked myself up and went to college and uh, thought, well, I have another four years to try And the next games were going to be in Barcelona, which sounded cooler to me than Seoul anyway. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to make the best of it. I knew I would only be 21 years old at that time. So I had a chance and, um, you know, committed myself and did it and had a lot of fun, too. Maybe a little too much fun. Um, And that's probably why I didn't make it again in 92. (laughs) But during that time, um, there wasn't much option for people when when you're in college and you're an athlete and, um, you know, it paid my way to college. So it gave me a lot of opportunity. But I also kind of meandered my way into the journalism school at um, University of Georgia, where they had a top five journalism program. And, um, you know, because you can't go pro as a swimmer, my, my, nobody ever told me I couldn't do this. But I thought, well, I'm a swimmer. I'll make the, you know, Barcelona games in 92. And then I'll be a sports announcer because I'll win the gold medal. And that's what you do. (laughs) You You can't become pro like tennis or golf or soccer after swimming. So it's, you know, if you don't make the team, it's a pretty hard stop. And um, I never, nobody ever told me no, that you can't do something. And so I thought, well, for sure, I'll be in journalism and I'll be a sports announcer and it'll be really fun after swimming is over. And 
I didn't make the team. I tore my rotator cuff. So that was two times. Oh. <laughs> Eight years of, you know, yeah, Training. a lot of disappointment and hard work, but, you know, didn't make it. And so in a lot of people who are elite athletes, I think, you know, don't make it after that, because if you're not known as Lisa the swimmer or you're not known as this person who does something really, um, you know, that who excels at something to such a degree that you get attention for it, um, it's hard to parlay that into a career and into something else. And um, I was lucky enough, I think, that I found advertising. I realized that, okay, I'm not going to be a sports announcer now because I'm not famous and I didn't win the gold medal. And uh, so I picked up and moved to New York. And I was lucky enough to get a job in advertising, and um, things kind of evolved from there. But I think the hardest job I ever had was that very first job, swimming. And there were so many disappointments in that, and so many highs, and, and so many things that happened to me that opened my eyes to a much bigger world than, you know, this small town in Mississippi where I used to catch catfish and, and uh, run around the spillway, you know, picking up tadpoles. I mean, it just you know, afforded me so much opportunity. At 24, I ended up, you know, in the second row of the Paris fashion runway shows. And I just was pinching myself thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here? And, you know, my career, I was, you know, continued to be fortunate, I think, partly because, you know, no one ever told me no. My parents, you know, uh, my mom has passed away, but my dad is alive. And um, I got a lot from them. They were tough on me, but they never, ever limited my expectations. And I try to do that with my kids. I mean, and with people on my team. I mean, I feel like if you limit yourself, then you close yourself off to options in life. And so my daughter's about to go to college and she's in 11th grade and it's like heavy duty SAT time and major pressure and I think much more pressure than any of us had growing up. It's just very competitive out there. And you know, I just keep telling her, if you make these small decisions that are the right decisions, then it gives you more options in life. And then you choose. And I had so many options after my swimming career when I moved to New York and when I started in the advertising industry. And um, yes, there were fail more failures along the way. And I think each one gave me more resilience. I mean, I call it kind of a bounce, you know. You hit that, you know, I, I had a job that I was really proud of. I was a publisher at 36 years old. I was at age, named me, you know, one of their 40 under 40. Um, I felt like I could had kind of arrived. And then, um, you know, I made a decision to follow one boss in my, in my company and the other boss, who happened to be the CEO of the company, got pretty upset that I had taken that role and his last words to me when I walked out of his office when I said look I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this job but it's the same company and I'm just going to do this other thing and he said you know be careful what you wish for that was his last words and six months later I was fired oh <laughs> and God. so was everyone else on the team basically uh six people at once and it's a um, layoff then it's no we were fired. all kicked out <laughs> and replaced with six more new people wow and um yeah it's brutal it can be very brutal but when that happened you know i had been at the company at condé nast at that point for 14 years and so i felt like it was home and so i felt betrayed when that happened and um i ended up you know bouncing and uh became publisher of billboard which was really fun two it's and a half huge years. job huge job traveling all over the world got to meet carlos slim went to japan for a month 
helped them, helped a, a company that we were partnering with launch a, a Japanese music website. I mean, just really cool shit. Is that okay to say that? Of course. Okay, good. Um, so great experiences, but at that point, my kids were growing up, and I never really saw them. I rem- remember there was a, actually a tipping point for me because I was coming home from Japan. I had, it was actually the the Grammys where Whitney Houston had passed away, and she was upstairs, and we were all there for the Clive party. And I was looking around the room, and we were all just stunned because we were like, "She's on the second floor. She's right above us, and she's you know why are we having this party like?" We shouldn't be having this, you know, Clive Davis party because Whitney died upstairs. Ugh. And it was absolutely devastating. People were crying. A lot I didn't know her, but a lot of people in the music industry did know her. And the feeling that, you know, I had at that moment was this is too much. And we went on with the party and it was weird and nobody was happy. And, you know, I left that night and I had to fly to Japan and I missed my son's birthday. And I remember crying on the plane on the way back from Japan because it was almost a month that I was there. And I hadn't seen my kids. And, you know, I missed them terribly. And at that point, I realized that, like, something had to change. Like, in life, you have to, you know, kind of surround yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself. And I just was not around people that, you know made me feel good about myself. I didn't want to be doing what I was doing anymore, traveling all over the world. I wanted my kids to know me. Um, You know, my son, when I got home, was mad at me. Uh, He tried to run and hug me, and then he realized that he remembered that he was mad at me, and he turned around and went into his room. And at that moment, I decided I'm not going to live this way anymore. And so, you know, I've taken a lot of time in my career and I've achieved a lot of great things and I feel successful to, you know, a certain degree. But the real lessons that I have out of my whole life experience is that, you know, you got to be able to do this in me- in, in a measured way and you got to be able to love what you're doing because you spend a lot of time doing it. We'll be back with Lisa soon, but first let's talk about the Barney's podcast. Get excited, guys. The Barney's podcast is coming back for season two. This show celebrates fashion, style, culture, and most of all, personality. It features conversations with some of the most creative people in fashion, discussing why they do what they do and how they got there. And they have a brand new host in journalist and former glamour editor-in-chief Cindy Levy, with guests like fashion icon Tom Brown, singer Kelly Rowland, and designer Alexander Wang. I'm sure you're familiar with all of them. There's a lot to talk about here. And don't miss the episode with Kelly Rowland where she talks about finding her voice and her development from a girl in a church choir to her massive success with Destiny's Child to where she is now, a champion of self-acceptance. She also talks about her new line of sunglasses and she sings, but better than that. Check out this episode and more by subscribing to The Barney's Podcast wherever good podcasts are found. Okay, guys, we have a new podcast. It's the fifth in the Girl Boss Radio Network. It's in partnership with our friends at Toomey called In Progress. And it's live. You can go listen to it now. It's where the best and brightest entrepreneurs, creatives, and influencers out there take a deep dive into the nitty gritty of their everyday journey and how they grapple with setbacks, celebrate achievements, and generally keep on keeping on with their journey. 
They'll be dishing their best productivity hacks, relationship advice, self-care practices, career tips, and just about everything in between. There's only 10 episodes in total, so be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out. It's called In Progress. Go look for that and let us know what you think. What does success mean to you? Oh, success. So this is the question that's like everybody's, you know, hardest to answer. Million dollar question. I know, right? Well, I used to think it was making a lot of money. And then I actually started making a lot of money. And I realized that the more money you make, the more money you spend. Yeah, it's not and it's so, just like you eat like slightly better food. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, for all that you put into it, it's not worth it. <laughs> and so what I've, I guess now I can say I'm 47 years old and, and I'm at a good point in my career where, you know, I feel like um, I've... I've reached success because, um, not because I make a lot of money, I actually make less money than I made back then. But um, I I work for the New York Times, and it's a very mission-driven brand. And I really like the people I work with. I feel like I spend, success to me is spending, you know, the 10 or 11 hours a day that I'm doing this with people that I can still learn from, people that keep me engaged. Uh, if if I, my brand, you know, if the New York Times' mission is to help people understand the world, and I'm helping brands on the business side of that, um, you know, really ma- matter more in the world, that's a pretty compelling, interesting thing for me to be spending my work hours doing. And, and so I feel value in that. But success um, is being around people I like, uh, pe- pe- being around people that I can learn from, having a good enough balance that I'm there for my kids. Um, I'm there for them so much more. I do travel less. I've had to make some decisions to step back a little bit in order to do that. Um, but I, I realized that it's not just ascending, ascending, ascending. It's finding your place. And I feel like I've found my place. Lisa is currently serving as the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Media for the New York Times. She talked about what her job entails. I work on the business side, so I have nothing to do with the really sexy part of the job, which is, you know, the hard investigative reporting that our journalists are doing that's holding truth to power. Um, But I get to enable them. So I'm about revenue for the company. We have the second largest newsroom. I think it's the second largest newsroom in the world behind the BBC, Um, over 1,400 journalists. And they are out there every day fighting the good fight and for truth and freedom of the press. And I feel like, you know, that's never been more important than right now. So I really uh, run the sales planning and operations for the business side for advertising. How does advertising and your role interact with the subscription piece of the New York Times? Yeah, that's a good question because it's all still evolving. But I spent a couple of years in Silicon Valley and, and I learned that, you know, you really have to think about your end user. You really have to think about who your customer is. And the subscription business at the New York Times over the last 10 years has become more powerful and more a bigger part of our revenue mix than even advertising, which nobody knew whether that was going to be the case. We have the largest digital news business in the world. Uh, we make over a billion dollars of revenue on subscriptions. Out, forget about advertising, just on subscriptions. And you know, I think what that's afforded us to do is to be really uh, deliberate and thoughtful about user first. Uh, thinking about what the digital media experience is going to be, thinking about any new ventures we want to enter into, whether it be television or whether it be audio or whether it be events um, and experiential. Uh, You know, yes, I think media companies today do have to diversify. 
They have to have lots of different uh, ways to make money. We are in massive transformation. And so, you know, subscriptions, readers, uh, I think it makes it better for everyone when we can say we have an engaged, loyal reader who's willing to pay for, right, what we're producing every day. And if we have that, then we have advertisers who have a really high quality environment Mm -hmm. because uh, our readers are engaged. Are ads behind the wall? There are ads behind the wall? Uh, There are ads in front of the wall and behind the wall. We'll be back with Lisa in just a minute. But first, let's talk about Uber. Have you entered Uber Pitch yet? Time's almost up to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Girlboss is inviting entrepreneurs to submit their genius business ideas for a chance to take home part of $200,000 in prizes. The finalists will also get to present their proposals to top-notch executive-level bosses at a live event in New York City. If you think you've got what it takes, head to girlboss.com Uber to enter now. I'm crossing my fingers for you. We'll have more with Lisa in just a second, but first, let's talk about ShipStation. When you're selling online, Getting your orders out the door quickly can be tough. That's why we use ShipStation.com here at Girlboss for all of our shipping needs. It's a fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. With ShipStation, we ship more in less time with the best rates available. So whether you're using your own website, Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, or almost any other popular selling channel, you can use ShipStation to import all of your orders into one simple interface, manage it from your phone, and then you can create shipping labels for all the top carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. It's super simple. And right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code GIRLBOSS. Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in GirlBoss. That's ShipStation.com. Enter GirlBoss. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Now let's get back to our interview with Lisa Ryan Howard. Tell me about relationships. I met you in Cannes. Yes. At Can Lions. Yes. Leaving a vice party. Oh, it was like surreal. Where were we? I was we very sober. In Tebe or, or something. <laughs> yeah, Antibes. It was like Shane Smith's like big, you know, yeah. rental in Cannes. And I left early from that and I really regret it. But relationships are important. You know, that's what yeah. people do when you fly across the world. And that is a lot to leave from you know, your personal life and to travel across the world, but there are benefits to it, like really big benefits to it. And in advertising, especially relationships are the same with entertainment. They're everything, right? Yes. What do you, what would you say to someone who's just starting to build a network? What is, what have the, what have the power of relationships and the meaning of relationships been for you over the course of your career? Yeah. I mean, you know, I say this to my team all the time, like the relationships that you make, it's interesting. The relationships that you develop early in your career tend to follow you through your career. You run into these people. I mean, if you stay in the same business or a relative business, then you're going to meet these people again. And so, you know, be true to people, but maintain your relationships. And, and, you know, that has helped me throughout my career. I mean, I'm one, I'm dealing with um, a major automotive company right now with one of our deals and we're doing something really innovative together. But when you do something never been done before and innovative, it can be a little scary. But but this person and I who are working on this thing together, 
trust each other because we worked together on a program 20 years ago in another role in another life. And so there's that trust factor because we've known each other for so long. And I think if you can nurture those relationships and maintain them in a way that is genuine, not in a way that is so solicitous that it's gross, you know, then I think that payback, you know, comes comes your way and, and people take care of people and the industry gets smaller and smaller as you get older. And so I think it's probably the, the one constant in an always changing advertising business. Mm -hmm. And then, so as far as advertising goes, I don't think a lot of people really come, we see ads on TV, but it's like, what is, you know, even for me, it was a little opaque going into our business, how, how this all worked. And there is kind of the thought that it's like, you know, transactional kind of mercenary pitching and this and that. And I mean, revenue on the side of the New York Times is working with brands mm. and agencies to say, hey, we have this really special thing. Do you want to be a part of it? Well, that's going to cost you money, right? Yep. Here's what we're bringing to the table. Can't be afraid to ask for that, by the way. Right. I mean, your whole job is asking for things, but there's also like a very delicate way of doing it. So people feel like that's, I mean, or honestly, it's like they have to think it's their idea. Yeah. And you have to like listen to what they want and then basically tell them, this is what you said you wanted, but here's like some sprinkles on top. And they're like, wow, this is brilliant. Right. Do it doesn't you, always happen do that you way. Find that? I mean, I find that like you can reverse engineer so much. Yeah. More than sprinkles, right? More than sprinkles. I'm not saying you're only sprinkles. But when you work with someone for the first time, how do you educate them on what your offering is? Like, what is it? Is it over coffee? What is the evolution of getting to a yes? You know, it's funny. It's changed so much in the last. I would have a different answer 15. Um, years ago. But nowadays, we're all doing things. We're reinventing advertising every day. And so um, the thing that I've found and that I've had to tell my teams, there are about 250 people that you know are out either making or selling on behalf of the New York Times, different various products that we offer. And um, what I've had to tell them is, you know, you don't know when you walk into a room what the best you know, product is going to be. It's not like you want to kind of throw up all over them and say, I have 25 things and they're all here. And, you know, which one do you want? You have to actually listen and you have to understand what might benefit their business. And then you have to be able to adapt in real time and have a conversation about it and get to that point together. And so, yes, people call it a consultative sale or whatever. I think it's more than that. And I think lately, more than ever, we've also had to really retrain ourselves to say no, because advertisers sometimes come to us and they say, we want to do this big, amazing thing. And, you know, one of them, I won't name the company because we didn't end up doing it, but they were a cruise line and they wanted us to live stream a performance on a cruise line. And, you know, I just knowing what happens with live streams, you know, you, you, they really don't get a lot of scale and this is going to cost a lot of money. And it just didn't feel right. And my team was like, yes, but they want to pay this much money and they want to do this thing. And, you know, I said to the team, I don't think this is the right thing to do. I think they will value you more if you say, no, we don't recommend this in our experience. What we have seen is X and let's try something else. Um, what about this? You know, uh, and that leads me to another thing that I think we've really had to change our dialogue around. And that is in the business today, because it's all so dynamic. 
you know, if somebody comes into my office and they're a but person, <laughs> meaning well, they're not, not an and they're person. They're not an and person. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I tell them, please, like, go back outside, spend five seconds reframing that to an and because I don't have all the solutions. I need people to come in with ideas and solutions and to be able to help me navigate this in the same way that we're all trying to find our way forward. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it more interesting because we're not just doing this rote kind of, you know, thing every day selling, you know, we used to call it schlepping pages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not schlepping pages. We're building things. Yeah, I find that so interesting because people will just come dump things. I'm not saying that's what happens at Girlboss. I'm just saying (laughs) when you when people report to you instead of coming up with a solution or having suggestions, people will just come say, like, here's this problem. Like, let's talk about it. And I'm just learning now. I have an executive coach and he said I'm very low on the avoidant. Like, I'm not avoidant, which is great. Like, I'm not avoidant, but I also just, like, run to the fire, which means I'm I'm bad at avoiding things and saying, like, hey, go think about that and come back to me. I'm actually going to avoid it in a very healthy way right now. Mm, That's good. Which is kind of interesting. Because that's the opposite of me. I'm I'm a fixer and a doer and I can spin. No, that's what I I do. But I'm like learning how to be avoidant, right? Like I'm not avoidant. That's the the hard part. Which seems like a virtue, but not in every, Mm -hmm. every, you know, part of our, our lives. What's the biggest deal you've ever done? The biggest like single revenue deal? Yeah. Okay, well... It wasn't at the New York Times. (laughs) It was at Condé Nast. And it's actually still the deal that I'm the most proud of. It was with Audi. And they were, I guess I can say all of this now. It's so long ago. This was so long ago that I don't think I'm sharing any information that they would hate me for. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, It was, they were a $3 million advertiser with us, Audi was at the time. So the biggest deal, you know, it was $3 million that Audi spent with us, which was, you know, not a significant amount. And we worked over the course of a year, I think I was pregnant with my second child. And so, you know, a lot is uh, blurry (laughs) about those times. But we ended up closing a a deal that was a never been done before, really innovative kind of integrated program, really branded entertainment that included media and events and, you know, talent and was really complex. But we got all of their advertising business. We got $26 million. And I have never been more proud of a program before or since, not necessarily because of the money, but because of the complexity uh, that we were able to pull off. I mean, I really thought, you know, are we going to be able to do this? And we all worked together and pulled it off. And it was a huge success. And it ended up running for three years. When you take someone's whole advertising budget, does that kind of make you an agency a little bit? Well, it certainly made all the other media companies mad. trying to understand... Yeah, just like how that. And then were you able to prove ROI? Like, were they happy at the end of it? I mean, this was, you know, 15 years ago or something. So ROI was not as topical as it is now because there was people believed in branding more than they did, you know, um, more than they did, I think, the data because the data just wasn't there back then because digital wasn't as sophisticated. But yeah, no, I think that um, Audi had a challenge, which was they were launching like an $80,000 car. And for them, this is this is way back when, when Audi didn't have, you know, they weren't considered on the on the level of Mercedes or Lexus. They were second tier. They were more like Volvo or Saab. Or Saab, exactly. Which My is, dad calls them slobs. Oh, well, they're not in existence anymore, right? <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. So, I mean, think about Audi today, right? I'm not saying that that one program made Audi successful, but I think we contributed to it. I'd like to think that we did. Before she left, I asked Lisa to share her most recent girl boss moment. 
Oh, my girl boss moment. It's my daughter. It's my 16-year-old. I don't know if I should say this. It's so personal. She'll get so mad at me if I do, but. If you say her name, she'll be excited to be on the show and maybe it'll balance itself out. Okay. Okay. Hi, Heath. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Heath. (laughs) Now she's going to be more excited because you said it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So she um, is at a very stressful time, obviously, SAT prep and all of that and thinking about colleges and she wants to work at the UN and she's like really accomplished and speaks Chinese and, you know, went to China this summer for five weeks and just has so much going for her. Well, she made a bad decision and, and came home and had, you know, I found those little jewel jewels oh, in yeah. her bag and um so instead of yelling at her i did a powerpoint presentation oh my gosh <laughs> and i sat down and i said your punishment is not i'm not taking your phone away i'm not like i know everybody quote everybody's doing it i'm not taking your phone away i'm not going to you know uh you know lock you in your room and ground you um, I'm going to make you sit and, and and listen to me present a PowerPoint to you oh of, of what the science, what the truth is, what the facts are around uh, juuling and smoking. That and, is such a great way to parent. And she she <laughs> took it in. And she knows that now you can get popcorn lung from, you know, Juul. There's there's chemicals in those, you know, devices. Yes, they're smoke-free, but, you know, it's a real problem. And um they are marketing them to young people. And so I think what I tried to do was just just educate her. And I think I maybe learned that from the New York Times because if you put the information out there and, you know, you give it to people and you educate them, then that promotes understanding. Thank you so much for joining us today on Girlboss Radio. If you liked what you heard, remember to subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. Follow at Girlboss, at Girlboss Radio, at Girlboss Rally, and at Sophia Amoruso. Follow everybody. But be sure to check out our mental health podcast, Jen Gotcha's OK Sometimes, and our newly launched show with Toomey called In Progress. And remember, if you want to see what the future of Girlboss will look like, go to collective.girlboss.com.